Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I have the Rays workouts gone so far at the Trop. They had their first inter-squad game on Wednesday. And how will the pitching staff set up, particularly in the bullpen? What about some of the new players like Yoshi Sisugo? And what can we expect of the Rays in a 60-game sprint? We'll ask Neil Solons, the Rays pre- and post-game host, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, before we get to Neil, a little bit of NFL news are getting closer to agreeing to protocols and what it'll look like when the players get to training camp, their virtual meetings and various things like that. Um, so we'll have more of that as we go on later in the week. A couple of teams came out and mentioned that they're going to have reduced seating capacities. The Baltimore Ravens think they can get, uh, what, about 16,000 or so into their ballpark? Or less, 14, than less than 14,000. Less than 14,000. Yeah. And then, uh, then the Chiefs said they would have limited capacity, which is a bummer for the Super Bowl champions. Well, they said at least for the first few games uh, the season. Mm-hmm. So they're so hopeful for the you know later in the season it'll be full. I would expect that the Bucks are going to follow suit. Uh, some of those guys are still on vacation. Um, they have not uh, sold season passes. They've stopped doing that. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the single-game tickets. I know some teams are coming cutting off sales of those. So you can expect at least early on, particularly with Florida, still having record number of COVID cases. And we don't know what August will look like, uh, but they have to make those adjustments now to try to figure out what the spacing is going to be and that sort of thing. Um, so there'll be more news, I'm sure, as the week rolls on, uh, along with more player protocols and just how they plan on executing training camp. Uh, there's still a dispute about preseason games and such. This is going to be kind of a, of a fluid story, I think, all the way throughout the month of July until we get to July 28th when they're supposed to report. So we'll keep you guys up to date on that. In the meantime, later this week, we're going to have our popular mailbag segment. And you can ask us uh, anything about the Bucks, the Rays, the Lightning, the you know, you name it, bring it to us. You do that by sending your question to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Okay, Neil Solons joins us now. And and Neil, if I could get from you just an idea, I know uh, you know the world changes so quickly these days, but with the protocols, uh, with the team that's been working out at Tropicana. Just how have they adjusted, uh, you know, to their new environment, I guess? I think all things considered relatively well. I mean, you know, I think it's it's a lot harder now, and I'm sure you know this as well as anyone, to get a pulse on a team today with the circumstances that we have than under, you know, before all this occurred when we can go through a clubhouse or a locker room and, and, and really have one-on-one chats. Now everything's on Zoom. Um, but that said, it seems like the energy, energy level has been pretty good in the workouts. Um, it seems like there's a fair amount of chatter. And other than seeing the masks and seeing guys working at a greater distance for the majority of the time, it does seem like things appear a lot more normal now than, let's say, I would have thought they would have looked. So it's it's a long way of answering. I think things are relatively good, all things considered. Right. And, I mean, we live also uh, in a world of, of things that can't always be disclosed, right? I mean, every day uh, there are players that come and some, some that aren't there, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily a ton of information about why say Austin Meadows, um, you know, hasn't been seen since since uh, last Friday, Friday, or if Tyler Glass now, um, you know, or or Yanni Chirinos or Jose Martinez, if some of those guys are missing, it's still kind of unclear as to maybe they're. Uh, have some other injury or perhaps uh, they've, uh, you know, tested positive for COVID. Or they encountered someone, you know, who had it and they have to make sure that they don't have it. You know, I think Aaron Nola of the Phillies was in that circumstance where he had to wait, you know, or there could be a false positive test. And, and I totally understand the reasoning behind, you know, or the, the, you know, the, the, the thought process of not revealing unless the player wants to provide that information um, or allow that information to be released. I mean, you know, if it's, it's a health issue. And when a player has a death in the family or, or a, a family situation or a mental health issue, those things aren't revealed. And, you know, this is a medical situation that's not caused by what occurs on the field when you're playing. So, um, you know, it, it, it certainly makes it, a lot more complex and leaves a lot of layers because, you know, when you're trying to predict how a team's going to fare or what a team's going to look like, you know, you just don't know because, you know, for all we know, all the players that you mentioned could have been working out um, the last several days underneath the drop, doing some work, but maybe Mm -hmm. they had an issue like Chaz Rowe. Chaz Rowe was out for a handful of days because of a blister that got infected and because of, the fact that we're in a COVID world right now didn't work out with the team until the blister healed. So, you know, who know? there could be, you know, even things that we haven't discussed that are possibilities. Right. And, and I guess, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, I mean, these guys certainly were apart for a long time. Uh, it wasn't easy for them. You know, baseball is not always a, you know, we saw guys, you know, uh, taking bagging practice in their garage, uh, the wife throwing to him, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, Kevin Cash seems to have said that, you know what, um, they look pretty good. You know, as, as you watch batting practice, as you watch these guys throw, uh, they seem to be into it and, um, and things are coming around. I, you know, I do think that guys, at least from what we can see, did arrive in good shape. Um, and, and I think that probably is the first and foremost thing beyond health and safety that guys were focused on during the stretch. Now, some were fortunate. Um, Willie Adamas and Manuel Margot were living together, so that made it a little bit easier. Ryan Yarbrough sure. and his wife had Shane McClanahan stay with them, so mm-hmm. Ryan had a, a throwing partner consistently. Um, but I think, by and large, the fact that this group went to the postseason and most of these guys experienced that last year, um, there was a hunger um, that I don't think dissipated while uh, there was no baseball being played. So I think there and, – and these guys stayed on a consistent group chat through most of this stretch. So I think, you know, they probably helped motivate one another in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, hopefully that leads to, you know, good results and more than that guy staying healthy because I think whether it's through COVID or whether it's injuries, a combination, the team that probably has the fewest um, – uh, losses is in terms of bodies is probably the one that's going to end up on top in the American League East. Right. And in fact, uh, you know, at the time they broke in spring training, I mean, there were still, still some guys like Blake Snell had some issues that they were working through, I guess. And, and now everybody seems to be uh, okay. That's there. What's it like, Neil, to kind of cover uh, the Rays from the distance? I know, I know the media has certain protocols. What, what can you glean from, from your, your vantage point? Well, I mean, I think that 
it's going to become easier to glean as we get closer to opening day. And the reason I say that is because you can certainly, you know, Kevin Cash had said after the first um, live, uh, you know, simulated game on Wednesday that he thought the timing of the hitters was pretty good, but it's still not going to be what it would be after they start to get themselves 30, 40, 50 more at bats against the pitchers. And certainly the stuff is going to get crisper. Um, You know, it, it does appear that the, the guys who have thrown, who have thrown live betting practice um, or some sort of simulated game are in a pretty good spot um, at this point um, and that they're, for the most part, pounding the strike zone, um, that their deliveries are relatively in order. They're not facing the lineup of the Yankees yet or the Ast- Well, they wouldn't face the Astros this year or let's say the Nationals, um, who they will see. Um, but you know, they're still facing good hitters, um, in what I think is a pretty solid lineup. Um, and so, you know, so far so good in that regard. I I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, when you, when, when you think about the Rays and the success they have, one of the keys I think is, is their depth, right? And not just, Mm -hmm. not just the 25 guys on any given day, uh, that may be showing up to play, but also throughout, throughout their entire minor leagues and, and, they certainly are a, a franchise that makes good use of, of everybody. Um, so when you have a 60-game schedule, how does that depth then uh, you know, translate to, to what is going to be more of a sprint than a marathon? I, I still think it translates because of the fact that when you start your season, your starting pitchers probably aren't going to be fully stretched out, Rick. I mean, I can't imagine that we're going to see starters, aside from maybe a Garrett Cole, uh, go six, seven innings um, or eight innings in a, in a start in the near term. Um, and that's why you have rosters extended to 30 for the first two weeks, 28 for the next two weeks before you get down to 26, four weeks into the season. So I think having a number of guys who can go three or four innings is going to be important. You're almost at times going to have some days where it'll look like you have, you know, old fashioned piggyback starts. Uh, where where two guys may combine to go six, seven innings, and then you decide what relievers you want to use thereafter, depending on the game situation. I think it also um, is beneficial just in terms of the flexibility you have in-game, um, you know, from your position player standpoint, guys who can play multiple positions, like a Joey Wendell, um, mm-hmm. like a Brandon Lau who can play second base in the outfield. Um, you know, if you have expanded rosters, maybe a Nate Lowe who can play first and third now. Um, and is and remains in very good shape, much better shape than he was a year ago. Um, you know, can be a help because of you know, depending on the how the pitching lines up on the other side. So I think it it'll give Kevin Cash the ability to mix and match a little bit. And I think more than that, it's not only the flexibility and the depth of the roster, but I think most of these guys are really in it for one one thing, and 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 that one thing is winning. And I think the fact that most of them have won all the way through the minor league system and have tasted that. And I've almost come to expect that when they come to the ballpark, I think certainly helps in the mindset. Yeah, I mean, look, last year you, you couldn't have uh, really – I mean, they, they won 96, 97 games. They take Houston to the five games uh, in, you know, in the ALDS. So much momentum, and then, and then the world happens, right, and COVID occurs. That doesn't really change what they feel they have in that clubhouse and the closeness they have. In fact – you know, and you know, Neil, a lot of guys that cover baseball on a national level, not only have they picked the Rays uh, to make the postseason, possibly 
win the uh, AL East, but also represent the American League in the World Series. I mean, this is sort of the expectations they've carved out for themselves. I certainly think that's the case, and and I think that you know you know Dave and Andy and I have all chatted together just about this. And if there's a team that's fit to have to adapt to such difficult circumstances, mm-hmm. one would think that this would be the team. I mean, the team that uses the opener, the team that uses its right. team so differently. I, you know, I think for all those reasons, this group would seem to be adaptable, and I think. You know, adaptability is probably one of the most important characteristics in this sprint. No doubt. And and let's talk about some of that versatility and adaptability. You mentioned Nate Lowe working at third base. How much do you think we'll see him there and how has he looked so far? You know, I think he's looked fine. I think I think we'll see him at first and third. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think part of this depends on where Yoshi plays and part of this depends on where Yandi plays. And, um, you know, just. You know, do players need a day day off in a season where you're playing 60 games in 66 days? Because, I mean, let's be frank, normally in a regular spring training, guys start by playing three innings in the field and then five innings and then seven and then nine and start maybe playing every other day and then two out of three before they might play three in a row. Well, you don't have that luxury. So are you going to see guys play three days and then have a day off or two days and have a day off? Um, and that's where I think the depth all plays into this. Um, there are certainly guys who, you know, Willie Adamas has already said, I want to play all 60. And that's great. And he may very well do that. Um, but there may be other guys who they worry, you know, I think it's not only the worry of keeping COVID out of your clubhouse, but keeping what, what uh, Kevin Cash mentioned at some point in this first week of summer camp was, you know, in Korea, there have been a lot of what you would call tissue injuries, hamstrings, calves, things like that, where, you know, it's it's one thing to be in good shape, but it's another thing to be in good baseball shape. They're two different things, and sometimes it takes some time to get in that baseball shape. So I think a guy like Nate Lowe could be really helpful in the fact that if somebody gets hurt, he could be a guy who could play regularly. But if not, he could be a guy who could also help fill in some gaps, too, because he's got a lot of pop. One of the guys that uh, was new in spring training and then went home for a while, and now he's back, and Mark Topkin wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times, is, uh, is Yoshi Sutsugo. And, and he uh, apparently, uh, Neil, and you can speak to this, seems to be a little more comfortable the second time around. Yeah, I, I definitely get that sense from the players on their Zoom calls in chatting about him. And he acknowledged that you know the whole situation was – you know, a, a good time to almost catch your breath. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think people realize, unless you've been to different countries, how challenging it is to be someone who doesn't know the language, doesn't know the culture, and at the same right. time has to learn to play a different style of a game that you've played your entire life. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's very, very unique. Um, you know, I think probably players from Latin America can understand it a whole lot better um, than those from... Um, the United States, because most of us in the States don't um, go overseas to play. The majority of them don't, where more players are coming to the U.S. to to play Major League Baseball. So I think he had a chance to catch his breath, kind of learn a little bit about what it was like, and okay, how can I adjust? How can I fix things? And he certainly, when you watch his drill work, when you watch his batting practice, when you watch him take ground balls, he definitely looks more calm, at ease, and comfortable, and the ball's jumping off his bat. Now, how it translates in the games, we'll see. 
but certainly if he's able to kind of take his game up a notch uh, and perform really well, it certainly changes the look of that race lineup a lot. Neil, where where does he fit in the lineup? And I don't mean like what what spot he's going to hit in necessarily, but you have an outfield that includes guys like Kevin Kiermaier and Austin Meadows and now Hunter Renfro, uh, Manuel Margot. I mean, it is a it is a loaded outfield, and that's a good thing. They have speed um, and and a lot of athletic ability out there. But where do you see uh, Yoshi fitting in this lineup uh, uh, if he has a glove? I think you know you'll probably see him play some left field. Um, and I think you'll see him play third base in DH. My guess is okay. those are the, you know, because I, I think probably if you have a left field in a third base, he's seeing the ball off the bat the same way, meaning, you know, the ball's still going to slice off a lefty's bat the same way. It's still going to look the same off a, a pull hitter's bat the same way. I think those are probably benefits to being on the same side of the field rather than moving from corner to corner. Um, and I think those are the areas he's more comfortable and I think they probably have enough coverage at first base right now um, with Jimon Choi and Yandy Diaz and also mm-hmm. Nate Lowe where they probably don't need to put Yoshi at first. Um, and he's, he's probably spent more time working at third than he has first base too. So for all those reasons, I would figure he'd be on the left side of the field. Right. Um, now, speaking of uh, some of the guys that they're coming back from uh, some up and down performances a year ago in, in this speaks mostly to the bullpen, I guess. But Jose Alvarado, we know he has electric stuff, Neil. Um, you know, he was in and out, uh, you know, for various reasons of uh, of the bullpen. How has he looked uh, in this early uh, part of the restart? I, I think he's looked um, – I've chatted with uh, – in fact, I, I interviewed Kyle Snyder about this. And Kyle thought mm-hmm. that after his first um, bullpen that he's in as good a situation as he's seen him. Um, you know, how that plays in. And, and I think part of it is the family situation for people who don't right. know. He's been back and forth between here and Venezuela almost on an annual basis at times because right. his mom's dealing with some health issues and his um, and and, uh, you know, wasn't able to get some of the medicines that she needed. And um, so the Rays helped him be able to bring his mom, his dad and his girlfriend to the States. And they've stayed here in the States throughout the entire pandemic. So the four of them have been together. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think he's mentally, at least from his chat um, at the start of camp, in as good a state as he's been in, too. He feels much more free, much more comfortable. And Kyle thinks that's going to play out on the mound. Um, I think certainly the feeling has been in his live VP and his bullpen that it certainly looked that way. Um, and if they get, uh, let's say, the Jose Alvarado in the first month last year over a two-month stretch, I mean, it, it can immensely help the group. And, I mean, they've got a number of guys, if they need to, that can get, you know, that, that 27th out. And that's always, you know, I think last year they kind of fell into a nice routine. Of course, they, they lose essentially what was their closer. Um, but but you've still got uh, Diego Castillo. I mean, just how do you see it? You, will there be a, a de facto closer? You think that'll be a matchup thing? How do you think that will work itself out in, in a 60-game sprint? I think that the one thing that Kevin Cash and Kyle Snyder and Stan Borowski have been really good at is putting guys in positions where they have a really good chance to succeed and mm-hmm. helping guys build confidence. And I think, you know, between Nick Anderson, Diego Castillo, Jose Alvarado, Oliver Drake, Colin Pochet, Chaz Rowe, 
and even a guy like Pete Fairbanks or Andrew Kittredge, all of those guys have different attributes that can make them really tough on on the right hitters. Um, and so I, I think that group is probably you're looking at a core of guys who have the ability to help out of the bullpen. And I think Kevin is not afraid to use any in any situation. In fact, you know, we've run a lot of um, replays of race broadcast during this whole pandemic period on our flagship. And going back to listen to them, even though you mentioned Emilio Pagan is a closer, there was a game where they used him against the Dodgers in September in the fifth inning because the moment required it. And I think that Kevin is not afraid and won't be afraid in a 60-game season to use any high-leverage guy in any high-leverage moment if he thinks the game potentially is on the line at that point. And I think being in that environment of win now and having a group of guys that don't care when they get the ball, as long as they do get the ball, I think is going to allow them to be successful as a group. Listen, I, I don't know about the, the rest of the pitching, and we'll talk about the, you know, the schedule and, and playing the American League East and the National League East, but if I have a chance as a ball club to run out Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, and Tyler Glass now, if those other two guys are healthy, Neil, that's as good a three, uh, three-man punch. And then we haven't even you know, talked about uh, the guys who, who could also you know, fall into that starting rotation if they go with McKay or Yarborough or Chirinos, I mean, fourth and fifth starters. Yeah, and and I you know we don't know how stretched out guys are going to be um, sure. in terms of you know the upcoming season. But yes, if those five are stretched out, um, I do think it's as good a starting staff as any. I think the top three are as good as any big three that you're going to find. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially as you look, let's say you know the Dodgers and David Price elected to opt out, and uh, obviously the Yankees. You know, top three can be tough, but, you know, we also don't know, you know, there's still a lot to learn about Tanaka and Paxton, et cetera, in their spots, and they don't have Severino for the year. Um, You know, and we don't know who Houston's really big three are. The third guy is behind Verlander and even Granke. So, um, you know, I I think that definitely, especially if you're able to get into a postseason, um, if you have guys like that and a bullpen like the Rays have, I think it takes pressure off the offense a little bit because I think they feel that as long as they do their job, um, that they have a good chance to win any single game. And, and I think is when you can relax as a hitter, um, I think that makes you that much more dangerous at the plate. No doubt. And the guy handling that pitching staff is uh, a very good defensive catcher in Mike Zanino. They're looking for a lot more from him from the plate this year, right? I think so. And, and I think, you know, I think the hope is that, you know, I just mentioned comfort, that he yeah. has a much greater comfort having known the pitching staff. And I think he spent a lot of time in the offseason revamping his swing, kind of adjusting where his hands are, getting himself in one much more athletic position. Um, you know, and as long – I don't know what reasonably good numbers are for a 60-game season at this point. But yeah. – they think if he becomes a threat who gives you good at bats and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, the staff is confident when he's out there, um, you know, I don't know that they need him to be, you know, a middle of the order guy, but if he's a threat at the back end of your lineup um, yeah. and he gets, he comes up with some big home runs and big hits. And I honestly did think last year, Rick, before he pulled his quad in early May, mm-hmm. I thought he was just starting to find himself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he'd hit a couple home runs after his his uh, son Rhett was born, 
And then all of a sudden the quad injury happened. I thought he came back a little quick, um, right. tried to push himself back. Then Travis Darno took off and then every, the bottom fell out. Uh, maybe put too much pressure on himself. Who knows? Only he knows for sure. Um, but I, I definitely think he's capable of more. And, and with the guys they have around him, he shouldn't feel the need to have to be the guy for sure. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Neil, there's going to be um, an expanded sort of, um, you know, with no minor leagues, you're not going to have the shuttle from Durham necessarily because uh, there is no there is no minor league baseball, but there are going to be a number mm-hmm. of guys that are in reserve uh, but there's also going to be a group of players working out in Port Charlotte. Uh, a couple of things. One, we always have to, you know, I have to ask you about Wander Franco, who I would assume would have started in double or triple A. We probably would have seen him at some point, maybe before the season was over, maybe September. I don't know. Um, what is the plan with him? And just uh, what will those guys be doing in Port Charlotte? So, you know, I think it's going to vary based on the individual. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, for the pitchers that are down there, they're probably going to want to get some of them work for development. Some of them work because they can help the Rays at some point. So if it's a reliever, you want to build them up during this next few weeks to be able to throw back-to-back days if you need to. If they're a, a potential starting pitcher or a bulk guy, you want to get them as quickly as you can, reasonably speaking, to be able to pitch a four- to six-inning stint. So, you know, I think you're looking for that combination. In terms of Wander specifically, you know, I think for him to be around older players, to get at bats, to continue to mature physically, emotionally, defensively on the bases will be good for him. And if he continues to grow at the fast rate that he did and there's a need, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get called up. But I also think a lot of things would have to occur for that to take place just because of the fact that he's not getting the full game experience um, that he would have if there were not a pandemic. That makes sense. And, and I think that, you know, it, it is the sort of the luck of the draw. They're trying to keep these guys regional, trying to minimize as, as much travel as they need to. So if the American League East wasn't a difficult enough uh, division mm-hmm. to try to win um, – they get to play the National League East, which includes the World Series champion, Washington Nationals, and a, a very upstart Atlanta Braves team um, and, and a Phillies team that's got plenty of stars. Yeah, it, it definitely is a what most would consider a very dangerous group. Um, but, I mean, the Rays do get, what, the Braves fairly early, and we know that right. Nick Markakis opted out, and Freddie mm-hmm. Freeman does have COVID, um, and so if he's not able to go – you know, that does take a really important veteran and maybe the, the the middle of the order guy out of their lineup. Certainly you've got still a very dangerous team with Ronald Acuna and, and, and the like, um, but maybe you get them at the right time. And look, the Nationals yeah. also have some guys that are missing, um, and we don't know if Sean Doolittle will be in their bullpen. And Ryan Zimmerman, mm-hmm. a very important veteran, certainly not the key cog in their team, but a, an important guy on your 
you know, and your clubhouse won't be there. And you wonder, you know, is, you know, is there that same hunger, um, you know, after you win? So, um, and the Rays don't face the Phillies. I think their only games against them are the last three games of the year. So you wonder what, you know, what those games will mean at that point in time. Um, But you're right. It is a really, really hard um, schedule and division. And, you're also doing it 60 games in 66 days. The only benefit is mm. everybody else is dealing with the same situation that you have um, among those 10 teams. Um, and, you know, I do think that at least the Rays are pretty well equipped. Um, you know, the one thing that I think is important to note is that, you know, generally over a 60-game stretch, teams that are good are still going to be good. But there is variability. In fact, the Nationals would not have even, even have made the playoffs. They were under 500. At the 60-game mark last year, the Dodgers, who lost in the World Series in 18, would not have made the playoffs in 18 um, So at the 60-game mark. But most good teams would have. And so hopefully the Rays show that they're one of those teams and don't fall into a rut against a tough schedule. And I think uh, finally, you know, it goes without saying, no matter what season, uh, whether it's 162 games or 60, you want to get off to a fast start. The Rays did that a year ago. After 60 games, of course, it's one of the same ball club. If you look back four or five years before that, maybe under 500. Um, mm-hmm. But but you can you could maybe not maybe not win uh, a division in the first month, but you certainly could could knock yourself out of it with a horrible start. Or could you see a team like I don't know Toronto somehow uh, have the ball bounce the right way and and you know gain confidence because uh, they build a little bit of a lead on somebody. I definitely think they're a dangerous club, you know, just because of how young and talented they are. And they remember it was the Rays who, when they went from the Devil Rays to the Rays, were right. a last place team and went from last to first. And, yeah. you know, the Blue Jays have this strong nucleus with Vladdy Jr., with Biggio, you know, with Bichette. Um, and so, and and I think there are some other talented pieces around that group, like Randall Grichuk and Teoscar Hernandez. They, they have a fair amount of power in their lineup. Um, so I think they can be a tough team if they get off to a good start. I think the question is, do they have enough pitching early on to allow them to be a consistent team? Um, you know, with young hitters, do they get off to, you know, I, I still think, you know, in my heart of hearts that pitching is going to be the strength of these 10 teams early on. And I would yep. think that in a 60-game season where hitting is about timing, it's mm. going to be tough for hitters to get their timing in such a short season. Sometimes it's the first month before, guys, you know, you're kind of grinding through that first month yes. to get your timing back. And now you're mm-hmm. halfway through the season. And that can play on you mentally if you're like, wow, I only have 30 games to get my numbers up to reasonable reasonable status if I'm fighting for arbitration or free agency or any of that. So um, I, I still think that that's probably – an area where the Rays have an advantage is that they're more pitching heavy than hitting heavy. He's Neil Solons, the Rays pre and post game host, and you hear him with Andy and Dave. And I can't wait to hear all of you guys calling Rays baseball. Let's hope that uh, we get to play soon. We certainly hope so. We're we're you know as anxious as you are, to, and probably more so to be back in the booth. I'm I'm really just rooting for baseball, man. I I think the Rays will do fine. They certainly have depth in the pitching staff. I think pitching, as Neil mentioned, is really going to be. Uh, the difference uh, to which teams advance in this thing if they're able to actually play a 60-game season. Hey, remember, we have our popular mailbag segment coming up. You guys want to get your questions in about anything, really, the Rays, the Bolts, the Bucks, you name it. 
Just do that by hitting us up on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 